Welcome everyone to Love and Pod, the season finale. We are done it. We are at the end. I am your host, Lady Zeon the Double Fang, and with me as always is my co-host, Kai the Non-Binary Typhoon. Say hello, Kai. I'm Kai Ketta, and this series has emotionally wrecked me. It's emotionally wrecked me too. Probably not in the way it attended. Lots of roller coaster, lots of big roller uh, coaster moves going on. I'm glad you had a roller coaster. Mine just kind of went off the rails. <laughs> a little correction from last week. We talked about the plant girl who we thought Ellen Dira was. We called her Tessa. Her name is Tesla. So we were close. So she's a shitty car that explodes. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Let's honestly say that out loud now, because I didn't think about it. I just said that immediately after saying her name was Tesla. And I thought, oh, no, she was literally in pieces. That poor girl. She didn't deserve that. No, she didn't. She is literally the definition of fridged. She is a female character who died before the story, literally kept in cold storage, for the development of male characters. Oh, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst thing ever, because, like, you know, it is such a small part, but it is kind of this inciting incident. I don't know. Like, I never really thought if, about it. If it was it. a male character, we wouldn't, we wouldn't think less of it. Yeah, no. Like, literally, you know, like, it's only so. getting brought up at the moment right now, because there is the, the, the trend of the female character. But honestly, this series has plenty of female, really good female rep, and... Ah, oh, god damn it! Like because Rem also is a female character who dies for the sake of the character development of another male. Fucking hell! God damn it! Now I'm thinking about this, and oh no, is Trigon hashtag problematic? No, 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 no! no. Uh, you put that away right now. <laughs> don't you? Don't do this don't to me. Don't take this from me. Don't you make me think about it. And no, it's like one of those things of uh, I think with Trigon because we do have like you know, Meryl exists and is awesome and everything that, um, you know, fantasy stories, there are characters in the backstory who are really close to, uh, your main cast and then they hit tragedy or there's something that's revealed. That's like the big reveal of the big bad thing that happened. You know, like these are all things that happen in stories all the time. And I think because of the fact that we, we had Meryl and Millie and, you know, Ellen Dira, (laughs) um, and a bunch of other really awesome... You know, I, I I wouldn't say that the whole series is a problem for that. But it is one of those things where you have to go and... You made me think for a second and you made me have to walk through it. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't think that that's an intentional thing on Nighthouse's part. Obviously, Rem needed to be a female because she is a motherly figure to Vash. She is that maternal element of his character. Tesla being a girl... That's just, like, I don't know. I guess just because, like, they had two boy characters. Instead of making a third boy, they chose a female instead. So, like, I'm I'm not actually upset if anyone thinks, like, oh my god, Zeon's, like, you know, going on the the PC tangent or some shit. And not this time. This is fine. This isn't, like, the erasure of Ellen Dira. God fucking, I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. It's going to come back in my final scoring. I'm not letting it go. Super valid. (sighs) Super valid for that. 
But no, like, it, it was... <laughs> you made me think about it for a second, but... No, we're good. Trigun's good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like having this existential crisis. I'm like, oh no. Is this thing I love actually harmful? Me at rent. <laughs> it, it always kind of sucks, though. Like, whenever you run that thing, it's just like, oh man, this thing I love is problematic. Fuck. Yeah, I already went through that with rent. I don't need to go through that with Trigun. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god. Have you ever seen Lindsay Ellis's essay on Rent? That's the thing that made me realize it was problematic. <laughs> I've never seen Rent. I've only ever seen her essay on it. And I was just like, this makes me want to not see Rent. Because it's like, the thing that sucks is that my roommate loves musicals and she really wants me to watch Rent. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to be high for this one. So I don't like kill her buzz. I was in La Boheme in my local like, opera house place and rent is basically i'm on labo m yeah yeah that's the idea so it's like because i was in labo ham somebody had made that comment of like why don't we just watch rent and i brought that up to my sister and she's like oh my god you've never seen it anyways <laughs> trigun <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah, yeah no this is a trigun podcast and i guess we have to wrap things up for season one before season two starts, I, I, I really hope there's a decent break between seasons one and two. Not that I don't enjoy doing this, but I kind of need a break from this <laughs> fucking show. I feel, I feel it would. If you guys can't tell, my 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 tone and mood towards it, I am, I am not enthusiastic about watching more of it. But like, I've hitched myself to this fucking wagon, so I'm in it for the long haul. I think you just, like, need more time to uh, get through that, like, total betrayal of Elendira. Like, I, and I'm not saying, like, oh, you'll get over it, but more of a, uh, it's gonna make the rest of the show f leave a bad taste in your mouth for a bit. You need time to sit on that. True, but, okay, so, like, what the stuff I have to say about this episode, like, the, the finale, really kind of ripples back through the show and kind of recontextualizes a bunch of things, and... Like I said, I have a lot to say. I know you have a lot of notes, but you said you don't have a lot to say. I have probably not as many notes as you, but I have a lot to say about each note. Right, right, yeah. So, okay, let's just bite this fucking bullet. No pun intended. <laughs> just, just get this shit out of the way and sum up the finale. Episode 11, the penultimate episode of the season. Meryl is running through the complex. She bumps into Wolfwood. She pops off on Wolfwood for abandoning Vash. Elsewhere, Knives has connected himself to Vash. And these tendrils start coming out of Vash's body and connecting to the plants around him. Meryl shows up and the doctor exposits about how Knives is erasing all of Vash's memories and he's using the powers of Vash's gate to give souls and independence to the other plants. To make them just like Knives and Vash. Elsewhere, Wolfoid comes across the body of Roberto, picks up his smoke. Back with our main cast, inside of Vash's head, we see visions of Knives kind of messing with Vash's past, his memories... He's seeing, like, the kids he swore to protect that he could not save. 
and we start seeing his memories eroding and crumbling. The tendrils that were expanding from Vash's body start expanding past the tank and overtaking the city. Vash remembers Rem and some of his times with, like, young knives. They find out that there was another independent before them that was dissected by the crew. Then Knives completes his assimilation with Vash. Vash's memories have been completely wiped out. And the portal opens behind Vash and Knives enters it. That is the end of episode 11. The finale of the season opens with Knives going through the gateway to touch the core. He's feeling the power off of it. Meryl desperately calls out to Vash. Vash wakes up and expels Knives from the gate, closing it. Vash pulls the tendrils back into a cube of concentrated energy. Vash and Knives fight and the cube begins to crack. They break outside of the facility. Vash takes the cube and slams it into the tendrils on his arm, creating a giant organic energy gun. And Vash and Knives fly throughout the city. Meryl almost falls off the building before Wolfwood catches her, basically paying back Roberto, as he puts it, for the cigarettes. Vash, knowing that he can't contain the energy, flies up in the space, Knives follows him. He goes to fire off the energy. Knives flies through the beam, grabbing the cube. Knives just completely disintegrates. Vash gets pushed back down to Earth, crashing into July, and completely destroying the city. We get a time skip. Two years later, Meryl is paying tribute to Roberto. Zazie the Beast shows up to tell them that Vash's beam sent a signal into space and that people from Earth will be coming. Meryl speaks to her boss and learns that she's going to be getting a new partner. And then elsewhere, there is a guy playing a piano at a saloon and a girl walks up and refers to him as Eric's. We get the credits and then we get a post credit scene of people on Earth getting signals and saying that it is from Project Seeds. And the episode ends there. That is the finale. I am actually surprised at how much I was able to just condense all of those events. Like, this summary, I think, was shorter than most of my one-episode yeah. summaries. Because a lot of it is just like, and then some mindfuckery happens. And then some fighting happens. It definitely felt like a lot more happened and it did go on obviously it was two full episodes but it's like i mean like more things happen but it's like it's very incidental stuff that doesn't need to be recapped it's just they're fighting they're going across the city there's a bunch of exposition and philosophizing and there's a lot of things that are happening but it's literally just one sentence of they fight in the city, flying around. Yeah, but that fight scene was pretty freaking sick, though, not gonna lie. <laughs> it was pretty dope. I ain't gonna lie. Okay, so, Kai, I'm gonna start things off by asking you a question. Have you ever heard of the Surf Dracula tweet? No. No, okay. This is a tweet that made the rounds a couple years back. It gets referenced by people in circumstances like this. This is the Surf Dracula tweet. Back in the day, if you did a TV show called Surf Dracula, you'd see that fool surfing every week in new adventures, 
but in the streaming era, the entire first season's gotta be a long-ass flashback to how he got the surfboard until you finally get to see him surf for five minutes in the finale. Uh, yeah? Trigun Stampede is the modern-day Surf Dracula. I got fucking Surf dracula by this show. I watched 12 episodes to see Vash get the surfboard and become the Trigun. Yeah, 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 because originally... This is an origin story! And I heard other people saying that it was going to be an origin story, and I'm like, no, that's fucking stupid. You're stupid. Shut the fuck up. Oh. (laughs) And here I am with my clown nose 12 (laughs) episodes later. Honk, honk. I mean, like, his hair went up and everything, and, like... Like, yeah, no. He gets the (laughs) hair. He gets the angel arm. He gets his actual tragic backstory of of wiping out the city of July and killing all those people. Which makes you wonder. He gets his bounty. He gets his $60 billion bounty. And then Meryl gets her partner. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it came through if you heard it, but when you're like, "Oh, Meryl is talking to her boss," and uh, you know she's talking about getting a new partner, and I was like, Yee! I was like squeaking really quiet. <laughs> I just, I'm really excited. One, I'm excited that we called that that Roberto was gonna bite the dust, and then yeah. you know that was gonna harden Meryl, and then she was gonna get Millie, you know, as a new partner. Yeah. But also, I'm just really excited. Because I had given up on seeing Millie. Like, there was still part of me that was I like, didn't. But, you know, it's just... It's no, no, nice. I called that shit from episode one. I called my eight ball <laughs> shot on the fucking break and nailed it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's because Roberto was like... The whole time, the reason we didn't like him was because it was like, why are you here? What is your purpose? Like... And that's kind of what really led into the idea of, like, his purpose is to die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have Meryl, who's the, you know energetic young scrappy like kohai to her gruff grizzled assholeish senpai and then like you know he dies and now it's gonna like harden her a little bit so now like she's gonna be more like the meryl that we know from the manga and the anime and we're gonna get millie to be her counterbalance so yeah this series is a prequel for the most part yeah like it pulls elements from later events in the manga to put in the prequel context. And that's not inherently a bad idea. On paper, that sounds like kind of a neat idea. Like, yeah, you you put these events here, you put them to the forefront, take some elements from later in the story, and you put them in this prequel setting. So, you know, we kind of get to, like, carry on this journey. You make Meryl a different character, a more optimistic character, and then harden her through the events of the story before you introduce Meryl to... Like, honestly, on paper, a lot of this shit sounds pretty fucking good. Here's where I don't think this shit fucking works. (laughs) Because you have a Vashta Stampede who is an absolute joyless sad sack throughout the entire story... And he doesn't even have his tragic backstory. And there were so many times where I was giving this this story the benefit of the doubt that they were going to do something of value or merit with him and that they were going to like drop kind of like a bombshell and a flashback that kind of contextualized why Vash is the way he is. And one of the things that had been lingering over me throughout this fucking series was Vash... 
we did this. We're the ones. Like, your hands aren't, you know, clean either. You're the one that gave me the passcodes yeah. to the system that let me do this. I am so upset with how that turned out. Like, I do not, I do not like how they, where they went with oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, it's bullshit. It's fucking garbage. And my mind is thinking, oh, fuck, like, did maybe Knives get in Vash's head? Did he, like, you know, kind of twist Vash a bit and be like, we need to protect ourselves from these humans. Like, I understand, like, you think that they're really good and you want to protect them, and I understand that, but we have to protect ourselves because they're a danger to us. Like, maybe Knives said, like, oh, we'll, we'll separate ourselves, but, you know, don't worry, I'll keep the humans safe or whatever, or I'll keep Rem safe. Yeah, you know, like... And then, yeah. But no. And you have that whole concept... And you think, okay, so that's what's going on. It was some sort of manipulation. He didn't know Knives was going to go as far as he did. And he carries all this guilt with him. Him getting the password is literally Vash putting it into the computer in front of Knives for a completely different reason. Yeah, that was... This fucking story makes Vash an absolute sad sack. And you think he carries all this weight and trauma with him for like 150 fucking years only to like find out that every step of the way where he could have had some pa some pathos, they could have had like some tragedy that he was personally responsible for that he carried all this guilt for. None of it. He like like they scrub his hands as clean as possible to make him as good as possible while also having him carry all this guilt needlessly until he actually commits a real atrocity. And even in the fucking atrocity that he commits, which is wiping out July, one that was literally a thing that Knives created, that Knives did to him forcibly against his will. And Vash fought with all of his might to save everybody. The only reason July got destroyed is because Knives literally pushed him back down into Earth. I remember when towards the beginning we had made a comment towards a specific scene of going, that's Vash, that's the Vash I want to get to know more. And it was the scene where Meryl asks him, you know, how, how do you smile like that or something along those lines. He's like, I don't have the right to be sad. And it's like, that's beautiful, that's wonderful, but it's one of those things of it needs to have purpose for it. There needs to be more, more guilt. Yeah. More like, yeah, that was his fault behind yeah. it. You know? Because it, it does it does feel like they kind of take away a whole dimension of his character. Yeah, like, because basically all of the things that he carries guilt for are actions that Knives is taking that he's putting the blame on himself for. I'm sorry, that's not, that doesn't make him a compelling character. And it's like, I know in the manga, uh, and I believe in the anime as well, when July got, you know, destroyed... Yeah, that was a little more, or that was a little out of his control, but it was still, like, it didn't take much pushing to make it happen, if I remember right. Like, his angel arm came out. It didn't take much pushing in either version, and also, both of those were an example of Vash's power went out of control. Right, which is exact, which is totally reasonable for him to blame himself for. Both of those were situations where Vash could not control his power. So yeah, Vash carries the guilt for not having that level of self-control 
over his abilities and the destructive force that he is as a person. This is a Vash who's literally never fucking done anything like that. He doesn't even know he has this kind of power. And when he does finally create the angel arm, it's because Knives literally, like, forced all of this shit out of him and he, like, condensed it to save the city. He literally went into space to expel the energy to avoid hurting anybody. It's just he ended up crashing back down the earth because of Knives. So he did everything in his power to protect people. And it's just completely circumstantial. Things that were 100% out of his fucking control. It was all Knives is doing. It was all if Knives didn't do it, you know, he wouldn't have crashed into the earth. He wouldn't have, you know, as opposed to originally it was his power, you know. Yeah. Like So, I, like, like this series scrubs Vash's hands as clean as possible while also trying to give him this guilt complex that he carries with him. So even when he has his big tragic backstory of wiping out July, you still make him, like, as non-copable as possible. Like, even Zazie the Beast was asking Meryl, like, man, humans are weird. Why are they blaming Vash? I don't know. You tell me. Why are the writers blaming Vash? They're the ones doing It's just like, man, humans are fucking stupid. That was nice. <laughs> and, like, now that I know exactly, like, all of the cards that the show is keeping to its chest and all those things are out there, now I'm thinking about things in the context of previous episodes where I'm like, well, wait, because we talked about last time. What was Vash doing throughout most of this series prior to it starting? Why was he letting Knives run amok? He knew where Knives was. He even says, like, Knives is the one stealing all of these things. But also, why is Vash getting blamed for it? Why is Vash, like, this well-known outlaw in this continuity? Why does everyone assume it's Vash to stampede? Like, none of these things are actually explained other than, well, people think it's Vash doing it because his twin brother Knives is the one doing it. It's like, okay, it's a guy who facially looks like Vash, dresses completely different, and has crazy fucking blade powers. A thing that no one's ever seen Vash the Stampede do. Like, why is Vash on the hook for this? Unless it's, like, a fake bounty put out by, like, the July government because uh, Bill Conrad, the viscount or whatever who's the doctor he put out like a fake bounty and put all the blame on vash hopefully in, in a way to draw vash out but that's never told to the audience there's a lot of things that they could have done that's one of those things of i can see that being the reasoning but um, you have to meet me halfway here uh anime i can't just make up excuses and reasonings like that like there's a limit of how much you can do like there's a difference between you don't have to spoon feed me versus now i'm just making excuses for you yeah no yeah there, there, there's a difference between a show spoon feeding me and me making the fucking dinner for the show <laughs> Well, I mean, like, there's, I meant that as more as a, um, we don't need the anime to tell us every little detail, you know, and that's something that, like, it is a difficult yeah. balance to strike the difference between, um, making sure you don't spoon feed your audience versus never explaining everything and expecting them to make shit up for you. And it is kind of hard, that line is kind of blurred, but the, the idea that you just, like, gave mm -hmm. of, like, maybe, 
the doctor or whatever put out a fake bounty on Vash in order to get the heat off of knives, but that is, like, nothing's ever really even hinted towards that being the thing. So even though that's, like, a plausible explanation, that still can't give credit to the show that. That's, you know, you made that up, right? Like Also, we get Tessa in a flashback in Vash's memories that are being erased. We get Tesla, and we see that she does exist in this continuity. That's the thing that they see when Vash puts the code in for Knives, which is how Knives gets the fucking code, which is nothing bad that Vash did. God damn it, I fucking, I hate how this show handles its, its reveals. Because honestly, if you're not even paying attention, you might not even catch that that's the moment. No, I, I really didn't at first. I like, I legitimately had to think back on it and, and think, wait a minute, was that like the password that he just put in? Because it literally was. I blinked and I missed it, so I had to go back and watch that part again yeah. to see it. See, when that moment happened, I thought... That was Knives learning that Vash had that passcode and that it was going to be his incentive for getting Vash to give him the passcode later. Not that was the only time he saw the passcode from Vash. The other part of how Knives like convinces Vash that he was to blame for the, the big fall is like saying, oh yeah, it's also your fault because everything I did, I did it for you. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate it here. No, no, you can't. You can't, Knives is going out of his way to do this and to wipe out the Seeds project. And he says, I did it to protect you, Vash. Therefore, Vash Mm -hmm. is also to blame. No? No? Okay, so I want to talk about Tesla's death because in the manga, that is a big moment for both characters. It's a big traumatizing moment for both characters because Vash spirals into this horrible fucking depression and he starts self-harming. He is he's starving himself. They locked them they locked themselves into that room to see mm-hmm. it, to see Tesla and all of the information about her and then stayed locked in that room for like months, right? It was for a really long time. Uh, no, no. They, in yeah. the manga, they see what had happened and, like, they basically go catatonic. Right. Like, Knives is, like, kind of, like, in a coma from it, from the shock. And Vash is just kind of catatonic. He's non-responsive. And he's, like I said, he's not eating. He's self-harming. He's He's gone off the fucking deep end. And right. Rem has to, like, pull him back from that edge. Because you come out of that and Knives is the one that's less affected because he blocked that out of his memories and he didn't quite remember it. And so, like, Knives is actually more happy-go-lucky at first. And Vash is the one that's tortured and fucked up and doesn't trust anybody. And Rem really needs to pull him back from that edge. Where Knives then learns, like, you know, learns about everything, and he is just like, no, fuck humans. Like, this is what they, they, this is what they think of us. This is how they treat us. We don't matter to them. We literally have to hide our existence because this is the type of shit they'll do to us. And he goes full Magneto on them. Here, it has no effect on Vash, other than scaring the shit out of him. And Knives even says... 
Tesla's death was a grain of sand. It was one of countless reasons for what he's doing. It was not any kind of tipping point. So honestly, in this continuity, that reveal served no fucking purpose. It is there for fucking shock value and because it was in the manga. Yeah, it definitely felt like they didn't spend enough time focusing on that event and how it affected the boys. It just kind of like, oh yeah, also they saw uh, the like uh, dismembered parts of Tesla one time and were really freaked out by it. Okay, moving on is really what it felt like. I got a lot out of that scene, but come to think of it, I'm looking like back on it. Yeah, it's probably just because I had read the manga, so I had already had an emotional attachment to yeah. all that stuff with Tesla. Like, that was one of the big things that I remember very clearly from and the manga. Something that really bugs me about this version is that we had an episode and a half of Vash and Knives flashback, and we got nothing of substance from it. Nothing. No meaningful, in-depth view of these characters, what shaped them, why they are the way they are now. Why did we spend all that fucking time with them? Why did we spend all that time with Vash? Vash is literally a static character in this. He's a sad good boy in the beginning, and he's a sad good boy 150 years later. And I never got the butterfly and spider scene! I never got the butterfly and spider scene! I am so mad about that! Yeah, no. <laughs> I am not a stan of the 90s anime. I used to love it back in the day. It was one of my formative anime experiences, like it was for a lot of people my age. And going back to it, I thought it was fine. I, I rewatched it last year. I thought it was fine. I think uh, its strongest moments are actually the, the first few episodes and the last few episodes, I think, are the strongest for that anime. And then everything in the middle is kind of, eh, it's fine. But I still think that that show, even with like only having three volumes of manga to work with at the time told a better more coherent and cohesive story than this one that was restructuring a fully completed manga and had god knows how much time to fucking prepare for it yeah yeah i know i'm like seeming like really pretty quiet at a lot of points but it's just like yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, you just, you put it into words. Because <laughs> I remember, like, I feel a little bad because you were telling me that you came out of this pretty positive on the finale. And I'm here like, all right, let me get my tools. I'm about to tear this bitch apart. I've been uh, saying a lot lately that I am entering my romantic period when it comes to, like, my art journey here. Because I've been going into the full, um, the romantic art and literature of getting really, uh, philosophical and deep and being like, what is art mm -hmm. for? What is the meaning of art? What makes humans humans? What, you know, and I blame AI art for me going through that, but whatever. <laughs> um, and so I got, like, really excited about a lot of the things that, like, were being said uh in these past two episodes like there were things like i said that i like rolled my eyes at and i got like actually legitimately annoyed at knives saying you know, all, all the blaming vash for everything that happened in the past legitimately annoyed me and the stuff of like 
I know at the end when Knives dies, like, I don't know, maybe dies, quote-unquote, maybe he'll come back. I don't know. It didn't look like he would. Oh, he's definitely coming back. But but it's like that stuff that he said about like, oh, Nye is already dead. You should know. You killed him. That made me roll my eyes and go, okay, yeah, whatever. Oh, what insufferable fucking bullshit. But like there were other things throughout it that I genuinely really liked. And so that's kind of why I think I ended up coming out of the episodes more positive is because I was like, there was stuff in there that I definitely really liked. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice for a hot moment here. I think the superficial elements are fucking bangers. Like the visual aspect, the pacing of it, <laughs> it's all really good stuff. Like the whole idea of like Vash is power is like a bridge in the gate and he can both give and take from it unlike any other being that taps into the power of the gate making him unique that's pretty fucking cool the idea that knives is using that connection to infuse plants with souls is a really cool fucking idea like that being his whole big master plan Good stuff. That was super cool. It was super cool. I'm sitting here eyeing my uh, my old Trigun OC that I had and going, oof. But, you know, like, that was still really cool. <laughs> and Knives going through Vash's memories and kind of seeing Vash's relationship to his past. Good stuff. There isn't a whole lot of depth there, but it's, it's good stuff what is. And then the big climax that it all builds up to, Vash pulling all of that back into himself, having this big, climactic, epic-as-fuck finale, big throwdown with knives through the city where both of them are one-winged angels. It was so cool. Sephiroth better get his fucking lawyers on that one. I was thinking that. I was, like, getting ready to pull out the freaking Sephiroth theme song. <laughs> I just thought it was so fucking stupid, though. I also, when... I also really really liked all the like biblical and like more Christian stuff that came through. I know there's a note that I had wrote of Knives looking back at Vash and says, you know, talks about everything will turn to salt, you know, while he's talking about going to paradise or something. And that like really resonated with the feelings of like Lot's wife from like Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible because she turns back when she's walking, like, while they're running off to, like, be saved from the destruction. She turns back and looks and turns into a pillar of salt. Yeah. I really appreciated that. There's a lot of things in this that it's like, yeah, they lay down the Christian elements really thick. But it feels earned to me in this series as opposed to some other things that will do that. Where it doesn't. Where it feels very, like, forced to me. But this felt very earned. I know, like, Knives hunting paradise and wanting to find paradise, clearly wanting to get back to where, you know, you could, like, make an argument is, like, the origin, quote-unquote, of plants. It's, like, where their energy comes from, you know? And he wants to go there, and he's referring to it all as his paradise. Mm-hmm. And to do it, he's, like, dragging humanity down. Like, he's the devil. He- he's Satan. Like, guys, <laughs> he's literally a fallen angel. Yeah. Fash is a big old Christ metaphor. Knives is a big old Satan metaphor. This show is not subtle with it. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Knives was literally, in one of the, like, memory flashback things, Knives was literally reading the Bible. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, so, (laughs) the only instance of context for why Knives is the way that he is, is that we see a scene of him 
literally reading the Bible and then having this depressed monologue about how humanity claims they hate conflict, but they can never get themselves out of it. And all they do is war and fight and destroy all the way from the biblical times up till now. Nothing has changed with them. So Knives, like, reading the Bible and coming out of that, he reminds me, because also, like I said, like, he, he's a philosophy edgelord. He spouts all of this fucking philosophical bullshit that's way up his own ass. If he has an ass, I've never looked into that. I don't know, like, the biology of a plant. <laughs> Definitely freshman in college in the middle of uh, Philosophy 101 typing on Reddit. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, <laughs> he, he is that dude who took one semester of philosophy and then looks at you and goes, I could tell you more about yourself than you even know about you. That is what fucking Knives is. Oh but God. he's like that in like, in Hot Topic clothes. It's wild He's to like me that, that guy you... wearing trip pants and a fucking Slipknot t-shirt. It's wild to me that you worded it that way specifically because you literally just unlocked a memory from college of somebody who said exactly that word for word to me. <laughs> Okay, I said that word to word for you, to you, because someone said that word to word to me <laughs> when I was like 23. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some uppity bitch who was drunk said that to me. And I'm like, you don't even fucking know me, lady. I don't even know your name. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, like, I've come, I've literally come across those people. If you've ever been around, like, a college... Like, anyone who's had, like, a semester of, of philosophy who is in their early 20s? Oh, no, I've had two people do that to me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, I have had two people in my life tell me that they know more about me and that, like, they've taken philosophy and they're educated on all of these things. <sighs> but, yeah, that's Knives. Oh. <laughs> that's definitely what Knives is in this series. That's Knives. He's that bitch. You know, I was really on board with Knives because I thought, like, I was really getting a grasp for his character. But now that I kind of see, like, the totality of what shaped him, I'm like, no, nah, you're just kind of a pretentious asshole. It does it does feel weird that they he came out of... Like, I can appreciate that they showed him reading the Bible and that really helps with, like, giving the idea of where he came up with some of the, like, the ideas he has, you know? Because a lot of them are, like, very biblical in nature. Um, not necessarily what his philosophy is and his morality, but a lot of, like, ideas of how he thinks things work and how he words things, like, the idea of paradise, etc., etc. And I do also, like, it's a little cheesy, I've seen it before, but I do also, can or I can also appreciate... You know, humanity says that they are against conflict, but they've been doing nothing but conflict from day one. But it still feels weird coming out of he was reading the Bible and then he looks up and comes mm -hmm. to that conclusion from the Bible. It's like, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of like, um, oh man, like a whole, there's a lot of, there's fighting and, and everything and like, especially Old Testament God was fucking crazy. Um... <laughs> Uh, while also saying love everybody, and I can get that, but it also feels more like you should have been looking at a history book if you're going to make a comment on human mm -hmm. history. Like, 
this is coming from a Christian. The Bible is not historical. Like, it's not a history book. It's no. not a textbook. You know, it's, it's, it's not. And so it feels weird that he's looking up and making a grand statement about, like, the facts of human history after looking at the Bible. It's like, I... <laughs> I feel like maybe that scene could have been better in, like, a library and the Bible could have been off to the side and he was reading a textbook on history or something and I would have felt a lot mm-hmm. better about it. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of Especially because history books do tend to focus on uh, conflict more than they focus on anything, like, really good that happened. So that would also add to that. It bothers me that, like, the only kind of idea that we get for why knives is the way he is is because of that he read the bible it was the one book he ever fucking read and now he has all these big brain dipshit ideas that a teenager would come up with God, it's literally- and he hasn't changed his mind in 150 years god it's also you know talking about how it's like he's very comparable to the college student who took one semester of philosophy also very comparable to mm-hmm. uh, the people who would tell me they know more about my faith and my religion and how it works when I was in high school because they read through the Bible one time, which I, I'm putting it down. I'm going to bet money they never actually read it. They just claimed they did because <laughs> um, that, sh- that shit's a monster. But to read as someone who was an incredibly smug asshole atheist i am going to just go ahead and apologize on their behalf (laughs) because i know i've been that bitch oh you should have seen when uh this one kid came over and started telling me oh catholics are awful because they sell indulgences because he was literally right out of his history class coming into lunch and i had to like he would not listen to me when i told him no that's like old Catholicism, way before Vatican II type shit, you know, like, shit's changed. And he was like, no, 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 they sell indulgences, I know they do. It's like, no, bro, you gotta (laughs) read the sequel. Point is, it's like, it's like we got, with Knives, we have like a mix of these two people of somebody who doesn't really understand all of the, like, massive complexities behind a lot of faith and a lot of, uh, I know, Christian faith and Catholicism especially, but he just read through the Bible one time and thinks he has it figured out just from that. And also the person who took a philosophy class and thinks they have everybody figured out mm-hmm. because of that. <laughs> you take those two people and smush them together. Yeah. He he is the biblical version of that fucking hot topic douchebag from college. Yep. <laughs> I, I cannot stand or take this version of Knives seriously. He is a teenager's idea of deep and philosophical. I'm 15. Because here's the thing, though. Knives originally was never particularly philosophical. He had an ideology, and he stuck to it. Like, he had a superiority complex. He hated humanity. In the anime, in the 90s anime, it's a lot more vague why he is the way that he is, other than he's just a prick. And the manga really, you know, does a lot more to flesh him out and contextualize him, his motivations, and then, like, the reasons for his actions. And, you know, Vash is able to save him in the end. Like, this fucking Knives, I'm like, what is Vash going to do with this guy? Because this version of Knives literally incinerated himself. I'm 165 and this is deep. Huh? I'm making a I'm 15 and this is deep joke, only he's, like, over 100 years old so oh god (laughs) 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 fucking knives memoir 
too deep for you. But <laughs> uh, is it like a Jane Sw- Smith tweets? <laughs> yeah, I cannot take this version of Knives seriously. I really wanted to like him because honestly, when he was mysterious, I was so on he board was far more I was... compelling. I actually liked this version of Knives prior to knowing about him because the moment you explained who he was and why he was, I'm like, oh, he's a dipshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it comes down to is it's like, because it doesn't feel like the reasoning for him being the way he is justifies it, you know? It doesn't, I don't know if justifies is the right word. It doesn't feel like it fits. It just is annoying. Honestly, there's a lot of things where it feels like they had an idea and they didn't really connect their dots well at all. And these things don't really map onto each yeah. other very well. Like, okay, we talked... First draft syndrome. Yes. They didn't think it all the way through. Here's the fucked up part. I don't think these episodes have first draft syndrome. I just think that in the context of the show that preceded these these two episodes, it doesn't fit. Because, okay... I agree. Knives' entire plan was to impregnate plants to become independent so that way they can rule over the earth or no man's land and wipe out humanity. The doctor knew about this and yet was still creating like experimental superhumans. Like maybe the, which would make you think maybe he was trying to make the superhumans so that they could survive against what Knives was planning, but then it's like, but no, but you you are like all over. You're you're worshiping Knives. Knives is your god. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're you're helping him in this, and you're completely on board with his plans. You knew what he was planning. So now, like last time, we were questioning, like his whole plans before, because like, oh, okay, like the Eye of Michael. You were trying to create these superhumans who could exist on no man's land without food or water and could be more self-sufficient like plants. Okay, cool. Um, Then you armed them with crazy-ass super weapons and crazy-ass, like, mecha bullshit and turned them into goddamn weapons. And it's just... Well, wait, wait. How does that map on... How does what we saw map onto your character motivation and your goals? Also... How does Ellen Deere tie into this? Why are you creating human-plant hybrids when Knives is just going to impregnate plants? Why does this plan need to exist if he's already creating Ellen Deeras? None of this shit, like, connects. And then it also felt like the idea of, I guess he has tuberculosis now and is dying. That just felt very tacked yeah. on and random and like do we did we need that yes. <laughs> sorry sorry i have wilting anime disease <laughs> i'm With coughing all the flowers blood. and everything and oh my god it's hanahaki he has hanahaki for knives ah! <laughs> look out for that that's trademarked you can't call that you're gonna hit with the copyright it's so fucked because like i said the superficial elements of this episode are fine like in a vacuum these two episodes are good. It's just when you take these two episodes and look at them in the context of the series that preceded it, it's a fucking wet fart of a finale that looks really fucking dope. I think that 
that's why it's like I was able to get super into it and I had like some like positive things to say, but it's like it's, I didn't have much beyond what was contained within the two episodes themselves. You know, as far as, like, what to say. Yeah. And I get that. If you come out of those two episodes, you're like, yo, that was dope. I can't wait to see more. But then, like, when you think about, like, how this acts as a finale to the 11 previous or 10 previous episodes. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't work. Wait, what? I will say, I did want to talk for a bit about how this these two episodes went about the pacifism argument. Because I know that's something that I bring up a lot in these uh, podcast episodes. You're no and... hero saving everyone. You're just a coward afraid to watch people no, die. No, I wrote this quote down. No, <laughs> You listen, I wrote this quote down and I love this quote, okay? <laughs> I mean, I watched it in English, so I got the, uh, you're no hero strong enough to save them. You're a coward mm. too weak to see them die. You know, and like, I, I I know you were like trying to mock it there for a second, but okay. no, listen, I love that. That is awesome. And that is very much so. And like the the visuals and the way they presented Vash being like torn up by the fact that he wants to save everyone, but he can't, and he, you know, in still people are dying and hurting and also blaming him for it for some reason. Um, that was, like, such a good, like, visual or, like, representation, I feel, of, like, being a pacifist and having to face the reality that it's like, we are never going to live in a world where nobody hurts anybody. And we, as individuals, are never going to be individuals who can never cause pain to someone else. Even if it's, like, by accident, even if it's by circumstance, it will always happen. And it just tears you up inside when you are, like, deeply rooted into pacifism mm -hmm. ideology of, I want to do everything I can to stop myself from causing any pain, and, when, and I want to do whatever I can to stop others from feeling pain. But you just... That's not possible, and you know it's not possible, but you still want to fight for it. And I really feel like the, like, glass cracking around him and the way he was holding his head and freaking out about it, it felt very, it resonated with me to that feeling. Yeah. And that's something that is, like, I always, I always, like, couldn't seem to find words for until now of, like, how to explain that, like, that's what I loved from Trigun, of how, like... Trigun doesn't treat pacifism as, like, you're just naive and stupid, but it also is still real with it and doesn't, like, care bears our way through it either, you know? Like, I, I just, I really liked that. I really liked the way that they did that back and forth and the way they confronted that. Where they're gonna go with it, I don't know. And I'm a little, I, I'm a little weary. I wouldn't even say cautiously optimistic, but um, I'm just cautious in general, like true neutral here about where they might go with it from here because this series the whole time has been up and down and up and down about how I feel about things with it. But these two episodes and how these two episodes handled Vash's pacifism and the conversation about being a pacifist in a world where there will always be pain and there will always be people causing pain, just... Okay. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely. You've actually it. made me come around on that one because honestly, I was making fun of it, but also it's not a bad line. It's really not. I think it's just the fact that it came from knives and I found him so fucking insufferable and edgy in this episode that like 
I just, it was hard for me to take anything he said seriously, but you were not wrong. That actually is a really good quote. God, it's it's really hard to say <laughs> good things about. No, I understand too. Yeah, because he annoyed he annoyed me with half of the bullshit he said those two episodes. So I get it. Yeah, it's it's so like... it, was, it was hard to like actually give his character credit at this point because I was so fucking annoyed with every <laughs> up his own ass fucking monologue he gave throughout that episode. I mean, he had so many of them. One of them at least had to hit, right? <laughs> true, true. You throw enough darts, you're going to hit the board eventually. But yeah, that was like the thing that um, I really liked. Like with everything about else about like the episodes and about the series as a whole, I do feel like I'm coming out of this series with a like, I do feel happy with how they portrayed pacifism, like specifically on that element how they handled the story as a whole, all those other things, that's a whole other can of worms, you know, but, like, specifically on the grounds of how they talked about and how they handled pacifism, I really like how this series handled it. That's fair. I agree. They mostly did it justice. A lot of my problems really come down with how they presented the characters, and not just in the sense of, I am a Trigun fan and I had these expectations, but more of just, like, if you're going to change... Small things, especially if you're going to make this a prequel. Because the idea of making this a prequel, okay, cool. Then you need to not have Vash be a fucking sad sack. Vash should have been a more fun and lighthearted character who has a sense of responsibility to stop his brother. Not someone who has this deep-rooted sadness inside of him everything i touch dies and then we find out that he actually didn't do any of that at all yeah because there's so many things because we came into the series applying our knowledge of vash early in so when vash is acting certain ways we're like aha we know vash's backstory we know why he's like this and like wait that he doesn't. He didn't have that back. He doesn't think he deserves to be sad because he blames himself for July because he blew up July, and then it's like that actually happens later. That hadn't happened yet. You're like, wait, what? But he, the season finale is him becoming the Trigun. He is. Be- he has done the things to become the Vash that we know. But really, given how guilt-ridden this Vash already was, how much worse is this Vash going to be for season two? Like, I don't see him being a more balanced character. I just see him being even more sad and more distraught. (laughs) I want to say some nice things about this show. The overall concept of it is not bad. It is not, like, conceptually bad, and they could have crafted a pretty good show out of this. Like, the idea of a prequel. Okay, cool. The problem with a prequel is, though, is that Vash carries all this emotional weight because of his tragic backstory. They fucked it up by making him an uber sad sack before he had his tragic backstory. So now we don't really have context for why Vash is the way he is, other than the fact that Vash blames himself for everything that his brother does, which isn't good enough motivation for his personality. Or... Even if, I don't even say that's an unrealistic portrayal of his personality. I don't think that makes for an entertaining character to watch. Because the thing that made Vash interesting before, as, as I've said before, is 
he carries a shit ton of sadness, but Max skit behind a hollow smile. This Vash just sulks. And that's not a fun character to watch. And, like, the first episode kind of throws you for a loop because he does act more like regular Vash to Stampede in episode one. He has the scene where he's hanging upside down and cackling and laughing, and they're like, uh, let's just leave this weirdo. He's like, wait, no, don't leave me. And then they take him to the saloon. It's like, well, why are you tied up? And he goes, what do you mean? Like, those were peak Vash the Stampede moments. That's what he should have been throughout most of this show. And instead, he is the saddest, sulkiest, fucking... New metal Linkin Park ass version of Vash the Stampede that has ever been put to media. I feel like it's a lot like the misery and CPR and Reese's Puffs meme <laughs> at this point. <laughs> you got like this it's Trigun Stampede Vash and singing the I am in misery line. And then you got, I'm going to go ahead and say manga and uh, 98 anime doing the CPR line. And then you have Badlands Rumble doing the um, Reese's Puffs rap in the background. And that's it. That's our three Vashes, everybody. <laughs> that's what it feels like because it does feel like this one in particular is like, just like you said, he just... He just sulks, and it. <sighs> we were on board with that until we realized that he didn't actually earn it. You know, the character didn't earn yeah. being like that. He's a poser. <laughs> he's, he, he has imposter syndrome. He's acting as if he has all of this torture and weight while really having nothing, like nothing wrong that he has done. I logged into a public computer in the library, and I. I didn't turn it off, and then somebody deleted our emails. I am a terrible person. And meanwhile, you've got, like, Vash from the manga. I blew up a city! Like, <laughs> really what it feels like. It's just, I really feel, yeah. I feel very confident in that we're not being, like, too harsh for knowing, like, the previous versions. I know we keep, like, making the comparisons, but it's like, no, I feel like the point still stands, that it doesn't feel like he's earned being this upset with himself and acting like he carries this much weight because it doesn't feel like he does. Here's the thing. I have no problem at this point hearkening back to previous iterations of Trigun because this entire finale cements the idea that this series is made for fans of Trigun who want to see something new and different. And that's cool. I mean, would I prefer a adaptation of Maximum? Of course. I love that fucking manga. It's one of my all-time favorites. I would love to see an adaptation of it. But also, fine, you want to do your own version of it. You want to reinvent the wheel. And I'm usually down with that. I'm usually on board with these kind of big sweeping adaptational changes. Cool. Let me see what you're bringing to the table. What ideas do you have? How are you going to put a new spin on this beloved story and these characters and this world? Like, why does this adaptation exist in the way that it does? And I feel like they just made a hollower version of that. I do want to say that um, when it comes to 
adaptation, and this is where I think this series messed up a lot. When you're doing adapt an adaptation of something, if you're going to choose to keep something from the original, you need to have a full understanding of why it was the way it was. Like the idea of Vash being a tortured soul wandering around with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Well, why was it like, well, we have to keep that because that's what he was in the original. But why was he like that in the original? Because he blew up July. But we don't have that. And what they gave us was not an equivalent to that. And that also yeah. goes for if you're going to... And every time, and every time mm-hmm. they tried to give us a reason for it, it always came off as this very edges sanded off bad thing that he didn't actually do. It's like they were scared to make Vash do something bad, you know? And, like, I mean, maybe if you're, like, staring at, like, Twitter takes from teenagers all day long, maybe you might get that idea. But general audiences, especially for a show like Trigun that is for adults, honestly, um, understand that characters will do bad things and that doesn't make them bad people. So you don't have to be scared to do that. But it really felt like they were scared of uh, making, like, Vash do something bad without giving a million excuses for him. But it's also like with adaptation, if you're going to keep something, you need to know why it was there in the original before you can keep it. And you have to be able to follow through on that. If you can't figure out what the reason for it was, then it's probably best to just change it or throw it out because... Or just throw it out entirely. Because if you don't know why it was there then you risk putting it there and messing up the whole story because it doesn't fit with your story. No. Um, and that all and if you're going to take something out or completely change it, you better pray to God that um you're not uh taking out a very important element and also pissing off previous fans in the meantime. So it's really difficult because there's no like safe easy well, if you're not sure what to do with something when you're doing an adaptation, there's no easy answer for, well, just do this if you're not sure what to do with it. Like, no, you have to look at all of these elements and really think about why they were in the original. Yeah, you can reinvent and retool as many things as you want. There are so many versions of Ninja Turtles, and it's my favorite franchise. I love Ninja Turtles. I love seeing every new take on it i'm always like i'm so looking forward to mutant mayhem to see like what new spin they're gonna put on these beloved characters of mine that's cool that's great and you're gonna tell me like okay well we're doing a new because like i had so many kind of like expectations and things like i really liked little details where i'm like okay i don't like his jacket as much in fact i don't like it nearly as much as his iconic jacket jackets from the manga and anime but I did like the fact that it had the seeds patch on it because it made an association with that project, with those people, and it was a hint towards his backstory. And I thought that was really nice little visual storytelling. But then I had to see how he got his iconic jacket. And it's just like, oh no. I should have fucking known this was a prequel when... There were so many iconic elements missing from the story. And then we start showing things like, here's how Vash got his iconic gun. Here's how he got his iconic red coat. Here's how... And then the finale is like, 
Here's how he got his iconic spiky hair. Here's how he got his iconic laser arm gun. Here's how he got his bounty. It's the Han Solo fucking prequel movie of Vash the Stampede. I hate shit like this. I hate lazy ass prequels that their idea of storytelling is, yeah. let's show you how the main character got this iconic thing that they have. I don't fucking care. It doesn't tell me anything about the character. Yeah, I was about to say, are you sure you want to stand by that? <laughs> like, this is like the worst fucking case of prequelitis. This is like, okay, it's not the worst case of prequelitis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's, there's so many garbage prequels that have contributed absolutely nothing to their franchises, but it is a really good example of bad prequel-itis where we have to hit all of these notes because these are the things that are in the backstory. These are the things that are iconic, so we need to hit those notes on how these things happened and how we got to this point. And this isn't even like a prequel for like the manga or the 90s anime. This is a prequel story for this new continuity that yeah. they're making. So it's weird that it exists in the shape that it does. And then the fact that they still felt the need to do all of the prequel-itis trademarks of here's how he got the gun, here's how he got the coat, here's how he got his spiky hair. I think the fact pre-established fans of Trigun were their target audience, I think that's made the most clear with how they did the reveal of Meryl's getting a new partner called Millie Thomas. Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. So like, I think like if there was ever, if there was ever any question or ever any doubt, the way they did that was very, um, hyping up fan, pre-established fans of Trigun. Look, you thought she wasn't going to be here, but here she is, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then not actually showing her, just name dropping her and leaving it at that. And it's like... Literally name-dropping her. This show is very clearly meant for pre-established fans of Trigun. And I think that's also important to point out is that, like, this isn't a... And I'm not saying it's not good for new audiences, but it's the idea of, like, this is a show that whose target audience is pre-established fans of Trigun, and also they want to try to bring some new people in along the way. Because you don't put that much emphasis and that that kind of a moment of a reveal on the name of a new character who's coming in, who's a character from a previous version. The entire of the show. epilogue to this finale was the MCU post-credit scene, <laughs> where like the person who hasn't been familiarized with Trigun turns back to the guy behind him and goes, "Yo, who the fuck is Millie Thompson?" Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, I and would And then that be... person goes, oh man, that's her partner from the thing and blah, blah, blah. And then you have that like guy explaining the history of Thanos moment, but for Trigon. Yeah, it's like the, um, that's also another thing is that like, I highly doubt anybody who knew that there was a manga and an anime beforehand who had never watched, uh, or read either before. I highly doubt anybody who was in that situation watched that scene and the way that they said, uh, Thompson, Millie, Millie Thomas, Millie Thompson, blah, 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 uh, and didn't immediately have the red flag of, oh, I bet that's from the original. I bet that's a character from the original. Because it's just, you're right, it's very comparable yeah. to the, uh, the way the MCU does stuff of, like, 
that's very much so a turn around and, and find your local Trigun fan and talk and ask them. <laughs> or, you know, immediately pull up your phone and Google Millie Thompson Trigun. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many problems. I'm still in the state of I am rolling with it, but, like, I'm getting less and less, like, into it and, like, are interested and excited with where it's going to go the further along we go in this. I get less and less excited. Like, I'm still... I was still, I'm still enjoying it. Like, I still enjoyed watching it, and I still do want, and am a little excited to see where we go from here. But I'm also, like, I started this feeling cautiously optimistic, and now I'm just in a neutral state of caution. So, (laughs) I probably started this more optimistic than you. I'm like, alright, I like Studio Orange. I want to see what they're going to turn out for this new Trigun. I left my preconceived notions at the door uh, to give this new adaptation a fair shake. And I have just been bombarded by episode after episode of First Draft Syndrome. There was one absolute banger of an episode. The Wolfwood and Livio backstory episode was fucking phenomenal. It is the benchmark example of this series firing on all cylinders to deliver fucking art. But the rest of the series never hits that moment. Even the big knives slaughtering people at Genora Rock moment, that's dope, that's intense, that's visceral. But that's one, half an episode. Two, the first half of that episode was a bunch of first draft syndrome shit with e.g. the mine, and the thing that made the second half of that episode so good was that it was hinging entirely on visual elements. This guy, who was an unstoppable force, murdering his way through this town to steal the thing that powers their town, that's what made that compelling it wasn't anything in the character writing it was all in the presentation also can we just also bring up that uh vash blew up like all of july so like is the doctor dead Uh, i'm assuming ellen dira can't be dead because you know she has to be in season two i would think as a full-grown adult also, what happened to all those plants? Are they now all just fucking destroyed? Yeah, I I really want to know. I really want to know about that. that... Did, did the destruction of all of those plants now mean that all those cities that he stole plants from are now just completely fucked? There's a lot of questions that this, is, that this raises that I'm like, I don't have faith that this series is going to answer. If they do answer it, probably not in a very satisfying yeah, way. Yeah, no, not at all. I I don't expect it. I came into this show hoping for, like, a B. Not a B plus, but a B. Like, I figured I would come out with, like, yeah, this show's like a 7. It was a fun time. It was a cool reinvention. I thought I would have elements that were really going to surprise me and these really cool reinventions. But there's all these stupid fucking nods that are intended for me as a fan of Trigun that do not fit in this version of Trigun that you have fucking made. They tried so hard to 
map on elements of Trigon for this prequel story that they were telling. And it just doesn't fucking work. Like, this shit needed multiple script revisions. Like, script revisions for every goddamn episode. Uh, we did not need an entire episode and a half of flashback. And if we did, it definitely didn't need to be what we got. This series is such a mess. It lacks cohesion. A lot of it lacks cohesion. And that's what it all comes down to. Is it doesn't feel like... It feels like we're looking at a show with a team of writers. And the writers are just barely talking to each other and sending memos. If they're talking at all. Yeah. So, breaking yeah. down this first season into what we have. We have 12 episodes. Episodes 1 through 3 are the events in Genora Rock. We get... A pretty, by-the-numbers, though pretty shoddily written, introductory episode that establishes your baseline. We get an absolutely god-awful second episode that's an absolute fucking dud. And then we get the fucking ridiculous banger finale to that three-episode arc. We get the introduction of Wolfwood. We get... Stuff with Monev the Gale. We get all this backstory for Wolfwood and Levio. And then we get the next stage, which is like two episodes worth of flashback for Vash. And then we get the finale, which is just like, well, we need, we need, we now need to get to July. Quick, 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 go, 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 wrap this shit up. This story. This first season has is so light on story, and it kind of sucks. I do not like this first season. There are legitimately great moments. There's great ideas. It could have been so much better, but I do not like the show that I was presented. And that really sucks to say about Trigun, because I like Trigun. Yeah. I... Prior to we, this... We really wanted to like, like this. And we did. We gave yeah. them as much credit as I think we could have possibly given them for everything that we did like out of it. You know, but it's just... It still feels like a disappointment. Even with, like, giving them as much, like, grace as we could throughout the whole thing. And even now, it's still... I still feel disappointed in the end. And then it's like that disappointed feeling gets worse when you think about the fact that, like... I've been, like... I feel like I've been on a roller coaster of up and down and up and down and up and down. It just makes the disappointment in the end worse. And I think that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, Stampede, it was kind of fun, I guess. It's kind of how I feel about it right now. Yeah, like, like eh. I would love to talk to both people who are fans of Trigon, people who like this show. Like, I would love to talk to people who like this show and kind of scratch their brain on it. Both people who are not fans of Trigun and people who are fans of Trigun. Because I would be fascinated by that. Because I really want to know what people are seeing in the show. Because it clearly did well enough that it's getting a second season. Which probably makes this the most popular Trigun has ever been in Japan. <laughs> yeah! Which is yeah. possibly the most depressing sentence I've ever said in relation to Trigun. It's one of those things of like, Trigun never really... As far as I'm aware... Uh, Trigun was never really that big in Japan. It wasn't really no. big at all. It was just Not kind of all. there. 
It was okay. a lot bigger in the West and especially in America. Yeah, because it, it had all the Western sci-fi vibes to it that, you know, in the West we really dig. So because the manga was successful enough to complete its story, to complete its 16 volume Run. And even then, wasn't there like, wasn't the whole thing of Maximum happening because of the fact that there was like, it didn't do well at first and then they had to do like a revamp ish? Not revamp, but like. No, uh, what happened was the, the Shonen magazine it was in was canceled. The entire magazine oh, okay. was canceled. All right. So. Uh, and so that wasn't Trigun's popularity. Yeah, that had nothing to do that with Trigun. Was, yeah. It was just the magazine as a whole went under. And then it moved to a Seinen magazine, but the original magazine held the rights to the name Trigun, so they had to call the this continuation Trigun Maximum. So that's that's why it has a subtitle. Yeah, you can copy my homework. Just change it a little. So you don't yeah, because <laughs> very very Love specifically, um, Nightow has come out to say like the the name Maximum like implies a sequel but it is not a sequel it is the same singular continuous story yes there is a time jump it is still one story maximum is not a sequel like he he, he is yeah that he was is just dead. he is nonsense. like very adamant about that right uh, speaking of night towel um he actually was really involved in this production and i did not know that hmm I wonder how much. I don't know. I get really iffy when I hear reports from people about, like, the Dragon Ball fandom got me burned real bad with that. I'm like, I need receipts. I need sources of where you got this information of the mangaka being, like, super involved. Like, to what extent? Where did you get that idea? Who said it? <laughs> I'm so sick of internet telephone in fandom. I'm, I'm gonna... Okay. I'm gonna explain okay. it. I'm gonna explain that. <laughs> I understand. I understand where that comes from, but I, but that's that 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 was the lead-in <laughs> for me to talk about this. So I got linked a, a a Twitter thread that was recounting a panel that Studio Orange did. This is like the second Studio Orange panel. This one is for Trigun Stampede. This is just like a lot of cliff notes, basically for it. Basically. Uh, Night Owl wanted to expand the story. He wanted to focus more on the sci-fi elements. He was in full support of basically the direction and the reinvention that they wanted to take things in. So yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff is things that Studio Orange did, but Night Owl was there. He was informed of the direction that they were taking things. And they took influence from notes that he had given, basically. So, it, like, literally things like the scene of him getting the jacket was something that he wanted in the story. That was like, no, that's a thing. Like, like we, I, I want to show how he got the jacket. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why the prequelitis? Like, just the creator. It's so weird, like, reading this. Because, like, it's, like, a pretty solid, chunky thread. I mean, I do... I mean, we, we were saying we liked the uh, direction that they were going for. And a lot of what it came... Our criticisms come down to has to do with 
the finer details of how the writing, like just the writing itself was done and how it related to previous episodes and so forth. But it's like, I'm sure if you wrote down like an outline of events, we'd be like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. You know, like, yeah, no, I'm sure on paper they had a great idea. So uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely surprised if like the idea is that Night Owl was in support of the direction they were going and Nightal told them, yeah, I want this specific kind of scene to happen in there. Because a lot of our mm-hmm. criticisms do come back to the finer details of the writing yeah. itself. Uh, here's you know? one of the tweets where I thought it was kind of interesting. So since this takes place before July, they wanted to show the buildup of Vash's character so he can reflect on his convictions after Lost July. That's great! That's great! Except for he came right out the gate being sad about something. <laughs> yeah. Like, Which like is he what was this, already... like, 90% of this podcast episode has been on about, too. Is like, yeah, that's great. I like that idea. Yeah. Like, it's too bad you freaking... <laughs> it fucking boggles my mind. Because reading these, I'm like, you guys had an idea here and you didn't actually execute on it. Like, I got a better idea of what they were going for by reading it. But actually like looking at what they had planned and what they what they came up with like what they delivered it's two completely different concepts like you you dropped the fucking ball you had the skeleton of this story and then the meat you put on those bones was not what you had pitched also apparently the change to a .22 caliber was Nightow's idea I, I don't know why. Apparently there's a lot of things in here that are just Night Tao's idea. Like, just things that he tossed out there to them. That happens. <laughs> yeah. It seems oh, like man. he was pretty involved. He was really supportive. And that's cool. At very least, the guy who, you know, created the original story is actively involved. And he at least likes this new direction and this reinvention of his story. Because... I'm I'm just glad that he is being, like, he was invited to be able to do that mm-hmm. and is being like respected and all to that degree. So one of the more interesting things, it took me a bit to like really click in my head was Nightow apparently wanted more sci-fi, which is why those elements are so strong in Stampede. And I thought about it and I'm like, are they stronger in Stampede? Like, is there anything in particular I, I in so. this show that is more weird sci-fi than anything we saw in the manga. I don't think it's so much that there's anything that is, like, any specific elements that are more sci-fi, so much as it feels like there's more focus on the sci-fi. I was gonna say, uh, there's... Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can agree with that, that the sci-fi element is a little bit more forefront than, say... Like, like the, the whole focus on plants and their role in this society and like and the being very upfront that they are people who crash landed from space and it's been like a hundred years or a hundred and fifty years since then. Because the manga and the original anime kind of push those details into the back and don't reveal those until later. So yeah, those definitely those elements are definitely more in the forefront. But I was thinking that the actual increased sci-fi element is all the stuff with the gates. Because that's something that is completely new to this incarnation. And though I'm kind of mixed on it, like I don't have super strong opinions on it. 
It's neat. It's a really unique concept for this incarnation of Trigun. And though I think it kind of complicates the world building needlessly, I do think it's also kind of a neat touch. Because uh, you actually see the plants uh, on the screen, like what plants, uh, what they kind of generate through tapping into the gate. And it's thermal, water, electric, and gravity. Those are the four elements that the plants generate. I'm not sure how that ties into knives making blade arms or Elendira making fucking four foot nails. But that was neat. And the idea that Vash acts as a bridge between those two. Because we even threw that, that theory out there a couple episodes back that Vash is a bridge between the two and that's his actual power yeah called that thank you <laughs> yeah no you, you you definitely got that one yeah yeah that that was definitely you who brought that up a couple of episodes earlier and i was like ooh. so i mean honestly in a lot of ways this show does not the pun planted seeds and it does like deliver on ideas like the mere fact that we were theorizing and a lot of the things that we predicted ended up coming true does show that the series did do a lot of things right in terms of setup and payoff yeah definitely i know there's like people out there who really like to go no i knew it was coming that's predictable and bad and it's like no it's they Zeon and I have been watching shit, watching anime and, and reading stuff and watching shit for a long time. We are media savvy. And so we can, we can see these things and it's like, it's not, it's not bad when you can start to notice the setup and the things that are there. It's actually a good thing that you've got people who've been around the block with anime before mm -hmm. who can watch this and go, I think this might be where it's going. And then it actually ends up going that way. Like, yeah, good. Good setup and payoff. So, I don't know about you, but I think I have basically vented all of my frustrations. Because, like, I really, I feel a little bad that I've come off as so negative. Because, overall, like, these episodes, like I said, in a vacuum, are not bad. They're pretty dope. They, they were full of a lot of cool shit. It's just, when you view them in the context of the entire series and how they function as finales is where they're actually bad. So I don't quite know how to... Because like even you came into this more positive because you were looking at it in a vacuum. And then when I started using like, okay, well, if this is what the reveal is to this, how does this... And then you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm... <sighs> Kai, what do you rate these two episodes? Honestly, I'm having a hard time trying to picture it in the bullet format, and my brain is stuck on, um... Okay, with just these two episodes? Yeah. Okay, I would well, say... Well, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, because we're going to give a bullet ranking for the episodes themselves, and then a bullet ranking for the series as a whole, the season. So... I'm going to keep the two episodes together, though, because I've watched them both together, okay. back to back, and they're just bled into each other in my brain. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, um, by the way, give, uh, give like, the, the episode reviews, and I'll give my episode review, and then we'll do the season review. Got it. Okay? All right. So, 
I'm going to have to give these two, like, episode 11 and 12. Uh, on their own, I'm going to give it, like, a 4 out of 6. I was really into it, and I had a lot of fun, and I really liked the philosophy. Like, I, I liked a lot of uh, the representation of the pacifism, which is a big thing for me, so they get bo- they get points for that for me, <laughs> for that. Um, I liked the epilogue. I liked the, uh... There was a lot that I liked about it. I'm still annoyed at the constant blaming Vash for everything. And so that marks points off. Uh, Knives said some really cool things, but he also said some really dumb things that really annoyed me. So that also took points off. So for those two episodes, I'm going with four out of six. Okay, for me, uh, if I were to rate these in a vacuum... Like, just these episodes, how they function independently. Uh, I would probably say, like, a... God, probably a four and a half. But because of, like, how they function... Maybe even a five, honestly. Because there's a lot of really good stuff here. But because of how they function as a finale to the rest of this show, I am also going to give it give it a four. Uh, but both these episodes are for each. I think there's a lot of really good stuff here. I think there's a lot of really cool concepts here. I think it is stitched together very poorly. And this needed more time in the oven to like make it all function. So that's the episode scores. Now, Kai, what's your score for the season? I <laughs> It was so like all over the place like it is a big case of excellent in some areas and really poor in others and so I think that like as a whole I'm just gonna maybe this is just because I'm tired I don't know I'm just gonna have to give it a three out of six as a whole like just right down the middle God um, damn it. yeah I I enjoyed it but because of the fact that it was like so good in some areas and I don't want to like ignore that because it was bad but i also don't want to ignore the fact that there was some really bad and rough moments that like if it weren't for this podcast i probably uh wouldn't have kept watching past episode two honestly um uh, yeah no and episode that's a two almost killed this fucking show for me <laughs> like if it wasn't for this fucking podcast oh my god oh man episodes two is so fucking bad yeah and like to be fair i wasn't really going to watch the show until we you invited me onto the podcast because of the animation and I did like warm up to it more but there's still parts of it that I'm like even in the finale it was like it doesn't look like his hand actually is in his hair it doesn't look like it's in his hair this is a 3D model staring me in the face but mm-hmm. it, you know all that stuff is like it's so hot and cold that I just I'm just going to put it down the middle cuz it does feel like a pretty even split of good and bad going on in here I am actually at a hundred percent agreeance with you. Uh, I really thought we were going to score these differently because I need to like preface this. Like Kai and I are very different people. We have very different backgrounds. We're of different like ages, and we have very different taste in media. Like the mere fact that like even with Trigun, we do not agree. They stand the '90s anime. And think the manga is pretty solid. I think the 90s anime is pretty solid. And I stand the manga. So like we don't even agree on that. 
the fact that like we are in near perfect and earlier in this podcast you know our scores you were a little bit more positive and and then like your scores started coming back down and matching mine and then you even got me to up my score for uh episode five i think six it was it was the wolfwood and libio one yeah yeah it was because i made the the, comment it was the banger perfect episode yeah because i made the comment of all because we know that nothing is perfect doesn't mean we can't give something a good score yeah you know (laughs) Yeah, it was just like one of those things where I'm like, I was really hesitant to throw out like a six out of six score when the show had been so hit and miss up until that point. So the idea of giving it any episode a perfect score was weird to me at that point. But yeah, no, that episode totally fucking deserved it. And I am really surprised that we because I thought you were going to come out of this a bit more positive than me because I am also giving it a three out of six it is on the lower end of average right down the middle would be a three and a half this is a three it is on the lower end of average and there's a lot of really good shit here there's a lot of visually stunning shit here there's also a lot of boring shit here and a lot of disjointed garbage shit here that just does not connect yeah like (laughs) I'm still annoyed that we had, like, exposition in episode four explaining how, like, some humans can talk to worms and control them. But we have pretty much debunked that in this series, that that's not even what Zazie is. He is just a worm that I guess is possessing a human body, like he is in the manga. So, yeah. I don't know. Big old fucking mess. Uh, this show really needed, like, a show Bible. They really needed to, like, get these things ironed out before. It's a three. Now, I'm gonna toss in a surprise segment, Kai. Uh, (laughs) Surprise segment? So, for this surprise segment, we're going to make predictions for season two based on our knowledge of the franchise. Now, if you have not read the manga or watched the original anime, because we're probably going to spoil both in this segment, dip out. If you don't want spoilers, especially if you don't want potential spoilers for season two based on our knowledge, but then again, our knowledge has really bitten us in the ass throughout this process, you can dip out now. You can, you, you can dip out now. We've given our scores. The episodes were a four- this show as an as a whole is a three. This is the prediction segment for season two of Trigon Stampede. So Kai, do you have any predictions? Like what do you think season two is going to consist of? Alright, so I'm hoping for um the imposter like Vash that was in the manga. He was in the anime too, but also like somebody who's trying to pretend that they're Vash the Stampede, some random outlaw or whatever. I want to see that, but and I don't know if we'll get that though. I don't know if that's really in line with what they've been going for throughout this series. I feel like what we're going to get is with Meryl specifically is that she is going to be slowly going down and falling down the hole of turning out like the uh depresso espresso alcoholic roberto um 
but Millie is going to be able to like pull her from that and remind her about optimism and um, being good for the sake of doing the right or doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. And I feel like interacting with Vash is going to help with that as well. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. I am nervous about what we're going to get with Vash. I'm nervous about where he's going to end up. I, I don't think we're going to get I have, the happy, fun-loving Vash that I like. <laughs> yeah, I have no predictions for Vash, honestly, because I have no clue what the fuck they're going to do with him. Like, he was already a fucking emo sad sack, and he didn't even have his fucked up backstory. Now he has his fucked up backstory. And it's still not as bad as what his backstory was in the manga, but it's close enough. And if he was already that guilt-written... Because he put in a password in a computer that his brother saw. Like, imagine what he's going to feel for wiping out an entire city's worth of people. Because of, like, an energy thing that, like, he created. Even if, really, I mean... Well, it was Knives' fault that he created it. But it's still not a Vash created it. And he will find a way to blame himself for it. Oh my god, I just realized something. Uh -huh. So... Meryl's whole motivation at the beginning was, if Vash is innocent, it's our job as reporters to clear his name. Yeah. What the fuck did she do? She clearly didn't clear his name. Yeah, no. Oh my god. Yeah, because Vash gets all the blame. She, what the fuck? Oh my god. Oh my god. What happened? Kai, you just made the, you just made the show worse. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's literally ah oh. ah. Uh, uh. Also, fuck them for making a reference to the insurance society. Yeah, like unless they're actually gonna move her into that, like no, f that. Um. Yeah, fuck off. But no, like that was literally Meryl's entire motivation from the beginning was well, if Vash the Stampede is innocent and it's somebody else, then we it's our job as reporters to gather the evidence and make a report on that and point out and like point to the actual culprits. So, yeah. like, she saw everything. All of the, they they freaking monologued to her directly about what they were doing. She could yeah. say that that was an interview and print that shit. Yeah, she I, has all the information. Shit, she could potentially hunt down Wolfwood and get him to corroborate. Like, when the hell did they even part ways? Shit, how the hell did she even fucking survive the city being destroyed? I don't think we actually established where she went after and like, that. Other than, and then Wolfwood saved her. It's just wild. If they want to say that they didn't believe her, that's God like... Damn, God damn it, Kai. Like, like you're going to make me lower my score. <laughs> you're going to have to go in and edit this to before you said everybody can go home now. Because I just had... You see why I just went, oh my God, the way I did when it clicked? Yeah, no, son of a bitch. Because there's so many things that we were talking about where it's just like, this doesn't connect to this, and this doesn't connect to this, and this doesn't connect to this. I didn't even think about that one. Because that was like literally episode two. But it's like, it's literally her, in, it, it's important because it's like her whole motivation of, of why she was following him from the beginning. Sure, eventually it led into she was just doing the right thing. Yeah. But it started as, isn't it our job to make sure we like you know, do right by people as reporters and report the story as the truth. So, like, there's obviously reports going on of Vash the Stampede destroyed July. And it's like, did she tell them that he did? Is that her fault? Right. If you guys have stuck around this long, surprise bonus. <laughs> we had a brain blast. This show was even worse than I thought. 
Like, literally, Meryl's entire character motivation is nothing. It, it amounted to nothing. I'm going down Fuck. a whole... For the whole um, series, I'm going down a whole half a point. And I'm going down a whole point for the finale. Because that's where it should have come up and it didn't at all. And they had a moment... Because Zazie the Beast asked her, like, why are humans blaming him? And she's like, shut up. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, that makes sense yeah. why he would ask her then. God damn it. Okay. I'm, yeah, the show's dropping half a point. It's two and a half now. Uh, <laughs> people who stuck around for the spoiler <laughs> prediction segments, congratulations. You got the real score. So, yeah, uh, I'm giving this a two and a half. You're also giving it a two and a half? Yeah, the whole series, because that's like I'm Meryl's whole motivation I'm just gonna, got wrecked. I'll give the finale a three and a half now. I'm going to drop both by half a point. Okay. God damn it. God fucking that's damn not Because so, that's such a big thing. It is. That it's like, I that's don't think... That's not like a little nitpick. That's like, like literally the character's entire motivation for existing in the story. Okay. So... Well then. <laughs> on to my predictions. I had predictions. Uh, I actually have like a list. Uh, well, I don't have a list written. Probably would have made this easier. Now I have to edit out a whole bunch of ums and uhs as I try to fucking recollect like everything I wanted to say. Okay, so for my predictions, wait, we know from this finale we're gonna get Millie. We know that the Earth's like military is going to show up on uh, No Man's Land. Like they got the message, they got the signal, and they're gonna show up. Which are things that are from the manga. So, uh, just taking what we know from the manga, I think if it's another 12 episode season, they're going to have to condense quite a lot. So, the beginning of it is going to do the whole Eric's thing. Vash will get reunited with uh, the people from the state, the plant station that he lived on. He'll get reunited with them. They might give him a new jacket. In fact, I'm going to call this... He's going to get a new jacket that is closer in resemblance to what he wore in the manga and anime. He is going to have his iconic spiky hair like he had at the finale of this. Villains-wise, I think we're going to get Legato and Levio the Double Fang for the most part and Elendira. We're going to get older Ellen Deera. She's probably going to look a lot more like Ellen Deera, but she's going to have stupid fucking nail gun powers. And she's going to not be a trans woman or a human. Uh, those two ships have mm -hmm. sailed. There's no fucking fixing that. We're going to get Razlo, the Tri-Punisher of Death, which is the alternate personality of Levio. I think that's probably going to be the first half of this series. Uh, that season is going to be about that and Wolfwood dying. And then we're going to move into the finale, which is a reborn knives going to war with humanity and the people of earth, uh, as they show up with their space fleets. And we're going to get a big bombastic finale, probably with Vash duking it out with knives and Levio, who has become a good guy, now duking it out with Elendira. And probably Legato and... Like, Zazie's probably gonna die at some point. And Legato is... I don't even know if we're gonna get anything for Legato at this point. I feel like, given how they neutered so many backstories, like I don't forgotten? think they're even gonna give us much of anything on his character. Yeah. 
I know that was something we talked about before about like being a little worried about like are we going to need trigger warnings and stuff, but I don't think it's going to go with that. It doesn't look like they really care too much right now about Legato. They couldn't even give us a trans woman. They're not going to give us fucking kid diddling, <laughs> which I'm not going to complain about the lack of kid diddling in my fucking no, that, anime. That shit but fucked still, me up in the manga. No, like, I can't lie. <laughs> I wasn't prepared like, honestly, for it. I said before. I said before. Ellen Dira, this version of Ellen Dira should have been Legato. Should have yep. been Legato. They should have flipped places. Ellen Dira should have been playing the role that Legato played in this season. And then you could have had little kid mutant Legato who is like dedicatedly obsessed with knives. And you could have made his crazy telekinetic powers part of like you know that's his plant ability and you could have even done the thing from the manga where his powers are actually like wires that he uses to puppeteer people because you could have had like oh well he creates these wires as part of his plant power his manifestation like there's just a lot of cool like it would have made so much more sense if Legato and Elendira switched places. I would have been so much happier with that. And it would have made more sense for like what they were originally. Yeah, I, I I'm down for that too. I'm down with that too. So any other predictions? Uh not really. You kinda like <laughs> blindsided me with this. Uh I, I, I figured, oh, like, I'm sorry. I really thought that you would have had, like, an idea of, like, what to, like, what kind of things that you want to see or think you're going to see in season two. Um, my bad. No, I genuinely, I genuinely am just whatever, like, apathetic at this point to what this show is doing. I have, like, checked out. Mm. I'm not, like, entirely checked out. That's not really the right way to put it because I do still want to know, but it's, like, I get into the hype in the moment of the episodes but then afterwards after some time i'm like mm, okay moving on yeah like this is not something i would hyperfixate no not on at because all of that. like like, no, like no. last last year when i read the manga i was so into it i fucking loved that reread i ended up coming out of the manga loving it more than i did the first time because i read the manga and i'm like that was a good read i i go back and i reread it uh, in preparation of like you know there being new Trigon, and I'm like, oh my god, I fucking love this manga. Like it was so much better than I had remembered. Uh, and I yeah, I went to the '90s anime. I'm like, this wasn't as good as I remember, but you know, it's still it's still enjoyable. It it it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, now I went into this with pretty mid tier expectations, and the fact that this show <laughs> couldn't even deliver that is really disappointing. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That's all uh, I got on this. Okay. Uh, Few or someone you know have been emotionally damaged by this anime through the whiplash of good and negative that comes from it. Please call 1-800-Johnny-Young-Bosch-Voices-Naja and Lego Monkey Kid and y'all should totally watch that show now. Bye. Also take a shot.